Let's go to the Lord in prayer together this morning before we open His Word. Father, we come before You in prayer this morning asking that You would illuminate the text before our eyes this morning, illuminate spiritually, open our, eyes, our, open our spiritual eyes this morning that we might see and behold the powerful truths before us in Your Word. God, I pray with the power of Your Spirit, work in our hearts, work in our minds, and help us to understand the authority of Your Word, that You speak to us through Your Word. You have spoken to us. It is You speaking to us through Your Word. And God, I pray that You would help us to revere and, and have great respect for and great honor for Your Word, the book that You have given us in the Bible. God, I pray, open the Word before us today and help us to obey it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to ask you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, would you? 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 this morning. While you're turning there, I want to share with you this quote from Pastor John Piper. He writes, On June 27, 1819, Adoniram Judson baptized his first convert in Burma. His, his wife described how Mong Nao had responded to the Scripture. Quote, A few days ago I was reading with him Christ's Sermon on the Mount. He was deeply impressed and unusually solemn, these words, he said he, take hold of my liver, they make me tremble. God spoke through Isaiah the prophet 2,700 years ago and said, this is the man to whom I will look. He that is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word, hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. And then Piper goes on to speak of the Bible's impact in history when he says, for 2,000 years the Bible has been taking hold of people's livers and making them tremble, first with fear because it reveals our sin, then with faith because it reveals God's grace. A single verse, Romans 13.13, convicted and converted the the immoral Augustine for Martin Luther, a miserable monk, the light broke in through Romans 1.17. He said, night and day I pondered until I saw the connection between the justice of God and the statement that the just shall live by his faith. Then I grasped that the justice of God is that righteousness by which, through grace and sheer mercy, God justifies us through faith. Thereupon, I felt myself to be reborn, to have gone through open doors into paradise. Piper says, for Jonathan Edwards, it was 1 Timothy 1.17. He says, the first instance that I remember of that sort of inward sweet delight in God and divine things that I have lived much in since was and was on reading these words, 1 Timothy 1.17, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. As I read the words, there came into my soul a sense of the glory of the divine being, a new sense quite different from anything I ever experienced before. Never any words of Scripture seemed to me as these words did. And Piper says, from century to century, from Egypt to Germany to New England, the Bible has been drawing people to Christ and making them new. Last week, 
we came together and we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 where we learned that God's Word makes one wise for salvation. The Word of God is the very source of truth that leads you to salvation. As John Piper says, God's Word reveals our sin and then God's grace. God's Word makes it very clear to you that you're a sinner and you need God's grace and then shows you God's grace in Jesus Christ. And what we're going to see as we read verses 16 and 17 in 2 Timothy 3 this morning is that Paul begins to expand and elaborate on the authority, the sufficiency, and the effects of God's Word. The authority, the sufficiency, and the effects of God's Word. Not only does God's Word equip one with the knowledge of salvation, not only does God's Word inform you that you're a sinner in need of salvation, revealing our sin, opening our spiritual eyes to God's grace, but God's Word also does something else. It equips us for life, for a life of holiness. It equips us for a life of obedience to God. God's Word is powerful enough to convict you of your sin and show you the way to salvation and then to help you live your new life. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17. Paul writes to Timothy and says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Now, I think we can agree that that the most valuable instruction and understanding that we gain from the Word, the most valuable instruction and the most valuable understanding that we gain from God's Word is that instruction that gives us an understanding of our own sinfulness and our need for a Savior. It gives us an understanding of our need of Christ and then shows us the way to salvation. That's probably the most valuable instruction that we will obtain from the Scriptures. The most valuable instruction we gain from God's Word is that instruction that saves our lives. And then what comes next in importance from the knowledge of God's Word is how to live life that's surrendered to Christ. God's Word is powerful to convict you of sin and show you the way to salvation, but yet it is also powerful to show you how to live your new life in Christ. The instruction that tells us how to live our saved lives is what we find in God's Word. But I have to challenge you this morning that before we're ready to live by the instruction of God's Word, we're going to have to believe that God's Word is authoritative. I could go to someone and say, you need to obey God's Word. And they might say, why? I don't believe that is God's Word. I think it's just some old book. And then we have a problem. Because a person who does not believe in the authority of Scriptures has no reason to believe that he must obey the authority of Scriptures. Before we're ready to live by the instruction of God's Word, we're going to have to believe that it is authoritative. And that is just what Paul tells Timothy in verse 16, that God's Word is authoritative. And here's why. How can we know God's Word is authoritative? Look look at Scripture's authority in verse 16. Here's Scripture's authority. Verse 16, All Scripture 
is breathed out by God. Note that all Scripture, all of the Bible is breathed out by God, meaning that it is divinely inspired. It is inspired by God. But what does it mean that the Scriptures are breathed out by or inspired by God? Warren Wiersbe gives a cautionary explanation saying that we must not think of inspiration the way the world thinks when it says Shakespeare was certainly an inspired writer. What we mean by biblical inspiration is the supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit on the Bible's writers, which guaranteed that what they wrote was accurate and trustworthy. Revelation means the communicating of truth to man by God. Inspiration has to do with the the recording of this communication in a way that is dependable. Whatever the Bible says about itself, man, God, life, death, history, science, and every other subject is true. This does not mean that every statement in the Bible is true because the Bible records the lies of men and of Satan, but the record is true. Merrill F. Unger adds that divine inspiration makes the Bible uniquely the Word of God and not merely a book containing the Word of God, and as such is different from any other book, sacred or secular. And let me add to that what Peter has to say about God's Word. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, Peter writes, Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the implication of this fact that all of Scripture is breathed out by God, inspired by God. In fact, as Peter says, carried along by the Holy Spirit. Before you're going to be ready for the Word of God to shape your thinking, before you're going to be ready for the Word of God to shape the way you live and change the way you speak, the way you go to work and the way you do your schoolwork, the way the way that you treat your parents, the way that you treat your children, and so on and so forth, before you're ready for God's Word to do its work in your life, you have to see that the Bible is God's word to mankind. The Bible is God speaking to mankind about how you should live your life. And more specifically, you need to understand that the Bible is God's word to you. The Bible is God speaking to me. Would you say that with me? The Bible is God speaking to me. Before the Bible, before God's Word can do any good in your life, you've got to understand that the Bible is speaking to me. God is speaking to me through God's Word, through His Word, the Bible. Let's note, too, that Paul makes very clear something else. He makes very clear that Scripture is completely sufficient. Scripture's sufficiency Look at verse 16 again, where he says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. And it's completely sufficient because he says, And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I want you to note the progression there. 
You see it in this explanation of how the Scriptures are sufficient for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Note that progression of teaching, then there's reproof, and then there's correction, and then there's training in righteousness. The Scriptures, first of all, teach. In fact, they they teach a great deal of things. The the Scriptures teach a a great number of things, but first of all, they teach you, as, as I've suggested already, they teach you of your need for salvation. First and foremost, the Scriptures tell you that you're a sinner in need of the grace that we see through Jesus Christ. The Scriptures teach you of your need for Christ. As a matter of fact, back in verse 15, when Paul wrote to Timothy and said, the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, the Scriptures teach you first and foremost of your need for Christ. It teaches a lot more than that, but first and foremost that. The Scriptures also reprove. And when the Scriptures begin to teach you, then they begin to reprove you. And there's really not a lot of difference between reproof and correction, which comes next, other than the fact that once you've been reproved, you, you ought to have your ways corrected, right? Um, I would say think of reproof being calling out the, you know, the calling out of your error or failure to do something. I might reprove you by saying, hey, wait, wait, wait. That's the wrong way. Don't go that way. That's the wrong way. I might reprove you that way. And then there's correction. The the Bible calls out and reproves you, and then it corrects you. The Scriptures correct. The Scriptures reprove in that they, they show us our error or our neglect. The Scriptures also then correct and set us straight, showing us what we must do or or we could say reproof is the declaration that you're headed in the wrong way and to correct is to point you in the right way. It's to reprove is to say, hey, that's not the way. Don't go that way. To correct is to say, go this way. And so the Scriptures teach. And as they teach, they begin to reprove you. And then as they reprove you, they begin to correct you. And then that fourth thing we see here, and then the Scriptures train in righteousness. Because once you've been set straight, the Scriptures continue to lead you into righteous living. Once you've been set straight and you begin to follow the commands of Scriptures, the the Scriptures lead you into a holy lifestyle. I'm not talking about perfect, but I'm talking about more and more Christ-like. D.L. Moody once said that the Scriptures were not given for our information, but for our transformation. He's right. That's what Paul is reminding Timothy of and us about the sufficiency of Scripture. It is profitable for teaching, not just information, it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, for transformation, for life change toward holy living. Note also Paul points to the third thing we see here, the Scripture's effect. And this is the purpose for which God's children are transformed by the Word of God. Look at verse 17. That the man of God... Here's the purpose for which the the Scriptures teach and reprove and correct and train in righteousness. That, verse 17, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. What are the effects of Scripture? Well, the Scriptures make a believer competent. If you have the King James Version in front of you, you'll see that it uses the word perfect here. But I want you to note that the idea is not that the Scriptures make one perfect in quality, but that the Scriptures make one perfectly fit for duty. Perfectly fit for duty. Well-equipped. 
is the idea here. Competent or perfect here means fully suited for or thoroughly fit for or fully qualified for or completely furnished for. So the man of God, God's child, is completely furnished and equipped and perfectly equipped for service to God. Now, how is it that a child of God can be made fully suited for or completely equipped for service? Second Peter Chapter 1, verse 3 gives us a very clear explanation on this question saying this. His divine power, that's God's power, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. And so the idea here is that when a believer with an attitude and a life that is yielded to the the working of the Spirit, feeds his soul with the Word of God. God gives just what that believer needs for life and godliness. God gives just that what what that believer needs for daily living in a Christ-honoring way. And God's Word is fully capable of this equipping because it is God's Word. It's fully capable of this because it is God speaking to me. It is God speaking to you. As Psalm 19, verse 7 teaches, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Another effect of God's Word is that, so that Scriptures scriptures make a, a believer competent, Another effect of God's Word is that the Scriptures also equip a believer. They equip a believer. Verse 17 says that with the Scriptures, the man of God may be equipped for every good work. Every good work. That being the work that God has for you to do. The work that God intends for you to do with your life. And that is, live your life daily in obedience to His Word for His glory, for your own good. And and I would suggest that when a child of God devours the Word of God with an attitude and a life that's yielded to the Spirit of God, that the believer will be competent and completely equipped and thoroughly furnished with just what he or she needs to fulfill the God-ordained role that God has for them in life. God's purpose for them. And we are thoroughly equipped for the purpose of fulfilling the good work that God has given us. Because God's Word is capable of doing that because it is God's Word. It is God speaking to you. When you devour the Word, when you take in the Scriptures for yourself and you realize it is it is nourishment to your soul and equipping you for service to God, to live daily for His glory, and you come with an attitude of yieldedness before His Word, God thoroughly equips you. It is a supernatural work that that you and I, I don't think, can fully understand this side of heaven, but to take God's Word for it from His Word, that we need His Word because it is God speaking to me, God speaking to you. The Bible is authoritatively God's Word, and God's Word is thoroughly sufficient to teach. It is thoroughly sufficient to reprove, to correct, to train in righteousness for the purpose of effecting change, in your life and in my life, toward Christ-likeness and equipping us for the good work that God has for us. And that includes every believer. 
God's word is completely sufficient to equip every believer with just what he needs to live daily for God's glory. And the implication for us this morning is that we must choose not to neglect God's word because it is just what we need. It's not going to happen by osmosis. I remember a few times talking to my dad when I was in high school about how tough a test was going to be and, and wondering if I was going to pass and being concerned whether I'd have to do it again. It wasn't, I don't think I was so, so much concerned about passing or failing or what kind of a grade. I just didn't want to have to do the work again. And he would say, put, put, the, put, the, put your notes and your books under your pillow and sleep on it. It's like, thanks, Dad. That doesn't help. I don't believe that that helps. I think he was talking about, you know, having confidence and being confident that you're ready and prepared. And if you'll sleep with your books, evidently you were willing to open them up during the day and read them, right? We're not talking about putting your Bible under your pillow. We're talking about opening God's Word and letting His Word affect the way you think and letting His Word change the way you talk to your family and to your neighbors and to your boss and to your employees and to your fellow students, etc., right? Your brothers and sisters, your parents, your children. Let God's Word do its work because it is God speaking to you about how He wants you to live. But you probably won't just take my word for it, would you? I've, I've come with witnesses to back me up, okay? Listen to what John Wesley says. John Wesley, on the profitability of God's Word, wrote this. I am a creature of day, passing through life as an arrow through the air. I am a spirit coming from God and returning to God, just hovering over the great gulf. A few moments hence, I am no more seen. I drop into an unchangeable eternity. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven. The way to heaven. How to land safe on that happy shore. God himself has condescended to teach the way. He hath written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. I have it. Here is knowledge enough for me. Let me be a man of one book. Here then I am, far from the busy ways of men. I sit down alone. Only God is here. In His presence I open. I read His book for this end to find the way to heaven. Bishop J.C. Ryle wrote, Let us receive nothing, believe nothing, follow nothing which is not in the Bible, nor can be proved by the Bible. The Puritan Thomas Watson wrote that the Scripture is both the breeder and feeder of grace. How is the convert born but by the word of truth? How doth he grow but by the sincere milk of the word? What are the implications for us this morning of that fact that the Bible is God's inspired word? Let me quote John Piper one more time who suggests that there are implications for all of life when he says, Oh, that we had all day to talk about the wonderful implications of this doctrine. 
The Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. Therefore, it is true and altogether reliable. It is powerful, working its purpose in our hearts and not returning empty to the one who sent it. It is pure, like silver refined in a furnace seven times. It is sanctifying. It gives life. It makes wise. It gives joy and promises great reward. It gives strength to the weak and comfort to the distraught and guidance to the perplexed and salvation to the lost. The wisdom of God in Scripture is inexhaustible. God is so good to have given us His Word. God has been so good to us to give us His book. God speaking to you. God speaking to me. And yes, the wisdom of God in Scripture is inexhaustible. We dare not neglect it. We dare not neglect it. We, we, we must humble ourselves before God and ask for His wisdom and His strength and His encouragement to open the book daily. To be a man, to be a woman, to be a young person of one book. To be led by that one book, God's Word. And the, and the multitude of, of wisdom He has given us in His Word. How ignorant of us to neglect it, if you don't mind me saying so. We dare not neglect God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we come before You this morning, I trust, with an attitude that is grateful, deeply grateful for the printed book we hold in our hands called the Bible, the Word of God, the inspired, breathed out, moved along by the Spirit, Word of God. And as the psalmist wrote, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. O God, help us to see the vast and precious thoughts that you have given us that are yours for us. You speaking to us. God, help us to be moved and changed by those words in Your Word. By the power of the Spirit at work in Your children, God, help us to be challenged by the Word, to be convicted of sin in our lives by the Word, to be convicted when we when we don't speak to one another in a Christ-honoring way, to be challenged by the truths that we know from Your Word when we don't think about one another in a way that's Christ-honoring when we think about doing things that are inappropriate and unchristlike and ungodly, God, challenge us because we, we've taken in Your Word. Send Your Holy Spirit to empower us to, to overcome those temptations to sin and, and, and overcome the, the desire to flesh to, to dishonor God and to honor ourselves by going in opposition to what Your Word says. God, enlighten our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, Spiritually equip us and strengthen us to live in obedience to You. Oh God, help us to open Your Word. Help us to go to Your Word. God, help us to not neglect the powerful and wonderful and the unnumberable truths, the inexhaustible truths that You've given us in Your Holy Scriptures. God, I pray that You would use the book to conform us to Christ's likeness, that we might be powerful 
examples, powerful witnesses, powerful walking Bibles in this community that people might look at us and not say what wonderful people, but say what a wonderful God they serve for God's glory, for our own good, for God's glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.